Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This episode, Jack and Earl are finishing the first season of Star Trek Prodigy, it's Supernova Part 1. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Today, we'll be discussing Star Trek Prodigy. Season 1, the finale, Supernova Part 2. That is the one. The release date was the 29th of December, 2022. Mm-hmm. It is the 873rd of all of Star Trek. This episode was written by Kevin and Dan Hegeman. And I <laughs> want to note that they use the opposite naming convention from Julie Benson and Shauna Benson. These two are using Kevin and Dan Hageman. They're actually the creators of the television show Star Trek Prodigy. Mm. Our fearless director is once again Ben Hyben. Correct. Well, thank you. <laughs> I did research. Oh, okay. You know, I was, I've been wondering why oftentimes do they have two different writers and directors or, you know, two different groups of writers and directors for a two-part episode? It was very curious myself about why the two-parter had two completely different sets of writers yeah also so the one the one that was just before the whole supernova stretch yeah. right wasn't was that the one that had like all of the writers of the whole season listed i think the one that had that was the uh episode where the characters gave their backstories preludes yeah preludes thank you mm-hmm. you're welcome in, in that case it makes sense to have different writers for each prelude Sure, I like that. But in the case of a two-parter, I would just figure that the person who starts writing the first part would just continue writing a one-hour episode instead of... Oh, yeah. I think the reason that I was thinking of having all the writers listed for an episode, is that what they did for the season finale of Strange New Worlds? I feel like that was something they did. I don't recall. How about we just move on then? <laughs> Sorry. As the Federation hangs in the balance, the crew must make the ultimate sacrifice to save Starfleet's future. Did you finally get your flyby? No, I've still been shunned and denied <laughs> by CBS and Paramount. Apparently there's a problem. I've written letters. They haven't gotten back to me. I don't I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's personal. Like, no one else has really mentioned. Well, no, actually, <laughs> so, so actually, Isaac, you know, if you remember our episode the other day, mm-hmm. Isaac also was not able has not been able to see the stinger huh and he is in australia okay so why the american midwest is important who knows i mean not to say that the american midwest is not important of course it's important i just don't understand why they get to have a stinger like we get teslas they get a stinger oh okay you know the one thing i was thinking of is maybe it depends on the app that you're using to view it or Again, um, I'm just using my television. Uh, yeah. Also, I have a Fire TV stick, and I've used that and no mm. stinger. I've also mm. I've also watched on Xbox and no stinger. Huh. Okay. Interesting. I've also watched on my phone, no stinger. <laughs> Why don't we go ahead and walk through this episode? Sure. So we open up on. A flashback to Wolf 359. Yeah, drifting through debris and battle. Can you make out any registry numbers in this scene? Not really. I, I did see the Sovereign that was very prominently in front. Did you notice any registries? I saw a registry, but I couldn't make out what it said. I was pretty sure it started with a 7-4. I'll bet you it started with an N. Well, I, yeah, the after the NCC part, yeah. We roll right into a discussion about how we have to, you know, self-destruct the ship. There's a long, sort of a long explanation about, you know, how we're going to spread the destruction of the proto-drive. Mm-hmm. There's an initial conversation about how the destruction of the proto-drive would cause destruction across like 50 million miles, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess the solution is you sort of like jump it through several places i'm a little confused about how this is working it seems like they're hopping the ship as the drive is being destroyed i i thought they'd just make one jump and it just kept on you know exploding as it kept on going well 
that's how but the picture did wasn't a, a continuous release of energy along a path it was intermittent yeah. releases of an energy along a path so it seemed like sort of skimming across the surface maybe there would be several small explosions as, as you're going along i think that was the idea behind it but i just don't understand the mechanics behind it because it mm. seems like if that's the case and it's making multiple jumps like not releasing a large amount of energy across a long space like it wasn't a spread out bit of energy it was uh -huh. several releases of energy Huh. I mean, I have no problem with it. I thought it was a great idea. I just, I don't yeah. understand why it's not a wash of energy as because it's as you're moving through, through space. So why would there be intermittent deposits of energy as opposed to one long wash of mild energy? Mm -hmm. There was something that occurred to me uh, for, for for some reason the first time in this episode. I didn't realize that there was a signal that needed to be stopped. And I wondered why they didn't just destroy their... Uh, subspace transmitter. Mm, that's a good point. Also, back to why didn't Zero just, you know, hotwire it? <laughs> because yeah. apparently Zero can do that. So we, we finally get to what I've been waiting for somebody to do all this time. John Luke, just blow up the damn ship. You know, it's like I've been thinking, you know, well, why hasn't anybody brought this up for, you know, yet? You know, we finally get to that point. The graphic that Zero uses, the depiction that they're showing of the, like you said, the multi, multiple explosions across several light years. You're talking about the white one with the sort of bubble, bubble, bubble. Yeah. I thought it reminded me of a sound wave, but of course it's probably any sort of wave, wave. as well. Yeah. yeah. I almost thought maybe they were going to try and use, figure out some sort of signal or something. It reminds me of that. So now that you mentioned that it's it's sort of a three rep, 3D representation of a wave, uh, it makes me think of the slingshot that they were working on in the next generation. It was a it was a soliton wave. Oh, the yeah, the soliton. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, that was a wave generator. So I wonder if it's that sort of mechanics that we're talking about here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Where it would generate a wave, uh, like a light speed wave of some sort. Whenever I watched that episode, the Soliton wave seemed kind of odd that it was flat, you know, like only had two dimensions instead of three, especially in space. But Yeah, I mean, I always imagined that it had no visible dimensions and that was really just being added for our listening pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've often thought about that when, you know, you... you they show the phaser beams or any other sort of energy discharge going sure. on. I always wonder that as well. Like, are they are the phasers really orange, or are we just is that you're just indicating where the phasers are for us? Because <laughs> I, I could imagine I could imagine them being invisible and that making yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, I mean that's what happens when I use my laser pointer. Yes, Dow makes this command decision that. He's going to be the one to honorably sacrifice himself to save the crew and stay behind and, and push a button. <laughs> the first thing I would say would be, hey, hologram lady. <laughs> I guess part of what's going on there is they all, like Rock Talk points out, is they all think of her as just another member of a, the crew and a, another life form that doesn't shouldn't necessarily be extinguished for no reason and one of their friends yeah and dal is probably fixating a little bit on the fact that you know he he's assuming that he can't join starfleet so he's like well there's no point for me to go to earth anymore and if i can save my friends so that they can join starfleet you know i may as well yeah well janeway quickly vetoes that idea yeah. because it's it's ridiculous and presents this whole <laughs> isochip dream where mm -hmm. she can transfer herself onto an isolinear chip to take with them. I mean, it seems plausible, but I knew from the start that Hollow Janeway wouldn't be, you know, making that, that that probably wouldn't work. I mean, they've never been able to do it with the doctor before, except for, I mean, it did occur to me when I was thinking about that, that obviously with USB flash drives, they stay the same size or even get smaller, but the, the storage size on the inside gets bigger. So, I mean, sure. I suppose, you know, you could have a 500 terabyte ISO chip and a 5 million ter terabyte or whatever's after terabyte. Sure. But, uh, 
one thing that I thought that they could have done is she could have just saved the portions of her that were her personality and her memories and only sent those along and they could have just uploaded her, you know, those into another copy of the advisor hologram and, and just use the images from that. So here's the thing. We are fully aware that she has been infected by the living construct. That's true. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So, I mean, it may have been inevitable that we get rid of her. Anyway, oh, okay. Even if she had gone on to a chip, like you might want to quarantine that chip even. Yeah. <laughs> just to be sure. Yeah. So the protostar heads out through the battle mm -hmm. then slips out into into open space so they can get clear of i guess the remainder of whoever's there well i mean they did say they're in the heart of federation space so i guess you don't want to bring any sort of damage near there yeah again i'm unclear as to exactly where they are mm -hmm. but we'll get to that later i think they do sort of give us some sort of clue to that toward the end of the mm -hmm. episode janeway sees that basically they're they're saving us all and we are left with with an epic battle damage scene because <laughs> we haven't had enough of those in the last, you know, the last episode was was pretty breathtaking mm -hmm. in all of the destruction that was happening in this aftermath is it's I, I, I feel like it's worse than 359. Right. I mean, it's definitely one for the history books. Yeah, there are a lot of ships here in ships with. History. <laughs> yeah. Jankum Pog heads down to uh, engineering to prepare the uh, proto drive and uh dal is checking in on his progress and of course jenkin pog just decides that this is a perfect time for a nice little shameless self-promotion you know yeah. i mean you can't have a star trek episode without the engineer or a star trek series without their particular engineer calling themselves a miracle worker i mean but don't isn't it always true <laughs> well does that mean that every engineer is a miracle worker Mm, no, it just means that... The, so here's the thing that I always think about Star Trek television shows is that, yes, some of the situations seem implausible uh -huh. and, like, less than likely. And, yes, sometimes it seems like they, you know, succeeded just by the skin of their mm -hmm. teeth. But that's why they made TV shows out of yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't make TV shows out of the ones, you know, who who die after the first yeah. season. Who, after, <laughs> who die after one season, you know, like... The, this is this is why this crew is so great. That's why they made this TV show. There's other there's other deep space stations. There's other little starships, yeah. you know, that are involved in temporal mechanics. Just this is the one that you know that didn't blow up halfway. Through oh, the okay. Season. So this th these are the people that aren't Starbase eighty. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. These are the best of the best. These, yeah, these are the ones that succeeded. Oh, that's why okay. we have that's why we have TV shows about. Okay. Them. No one talks about the hijinks that don't work. <laughs> yeah. The the ship is ready. Yes. Uh, Jankum's ready to, to report. And uh, so Rock Rock is back there with the vehicle replicator. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, it's what Rock, Talk, and Gwen. And I don't think we really see what they're constructing during the scene. It's just like a whole framework, like a laser framework. It, it's just getting started. They, they've showed this before it's just a laser framework zero's legs are back for the first time in like three episodes well no we actually saw zero's legs go up and oh, down okay recently oh, okay. like we actually i don't know i think you were not here for that episode. oh sorry uh, but that there was an episode where we watched zero's legs retract from zero's Ooh. body did you did you see did you catch that when you went back and watched the episode i that was a Sounds no. like no. You should go back and you should go back to that episode where you weren't here. And number one, listen to the episode of Let's Talk About Tricks. <laughs> and number two, maybe in reverse order, watch the episode of uh, Star Trek Prodigy, mm -hmm. which is I think Prodigy number eighteen. And then listen to the episode of Let's Talk About Treks that covers episode eighteen of Star Trek Prodigy. Now that we have a, a small break, I should make the, the time to do that. You know, something's important enough to you. <laughs> you make the time. Okay. <laughs> Janeway tells the computer to just hand over command to, to her. Sure. And I was I thought it was kind of odd that the person taking command can be the one that actually tells the computer that there's no... That, and the computer's just like, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, there's no verification or anything. 
Um, I mean, other than an extreme emergency where, like, say, the XO and the captain are, are dead or dying or in sickbay or something, and, and the only person on the bridge, you know, they're already off the bridge or unable to respond, it seems like you couldn't just have some random ensign or hologram taking command on their own without confirmation or something. It just seemed kind of odd. She's got Dell's command codes. E- true, yeah. I think that's what all that stemmed from yeah. is that she's got the command code so she can actually do a lot more than she could do previously. Okay, so she wouldn't even really need to verify with the computer Dell's command codes though either. I mean, she can probably do it without us hearing it. That's true. So I feel like getting Dell's command codes has made that hologram extremely like bold. Oh, okay. now she's just straight up lying about <laughs> things like here. Here, take this take this copy of me <laughs> and then when then what she does what makes it the worst for me is that she takes it upon herself to double down on the mm-hmm. lie like she could have just said yeah here's the copy see you later but then she's like here's the copy now you're gonna have two of me like no they're not <laughs> like why are you, why did you make it worse like now they're gonna be like they lost two of you what the, that's not yeah that's just that's just you being bold. She's like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say whatever. I say what I want. Well, I mean, she's got she's got to you know make the lie believable at least until it's too late. Okay, I just <laughs> I didn't just didn't see the the need to add on to pile onto it. it Seems a little extra. I I agree. It was even if it weren't a lie, it would was a little bit extra. I have my Alexa devices that are near the living room mm-hmm. named computer so that I don't say Alexa to them, I say computer to them. Mm-hmm. And when Janeway said, computer, place all controls under my command or something to that effect, uh-huh. Alexa said, now playing Paw Patrol. <laughs> and started playing some Paw Patrol songs. Oh. <laughs> okay. Your computer responded to Janeway's talking? My Alexa responds to uh, Star Trek a lot. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Whenever I'm watching Star Trek, there's a lot of Alexa huh. going off and doing <laughs> things that seem very random, but make a lot of sense when you consider what she thinks she heard. <laughs> okay, cool. So you got to listen to the... What Did it show an episode or did it play the theme song? It started playing some music and I didn't really start. I, I turned it off. I asked, computer, please stop. <laughs> okay. Pog's biggest sadness is to lose the ship mm-hmm. because who's going to let you do percussive maintenance on their <laughs> ship? Now that Janeway is gone, uh, mm-hmm. Rockstock has to take the role of saying the, the random line that's supposed to be, you know, uplifting mm-hmm. because Pog's upset about the ship going. Rock's like, oh, we'll just, what is it? We're just letting a young star become what it's supposed to be they've been they've been good at that i mean maybe not as specific as janeway has or as often as janeway has but they can they can tend to look on the brighter side of of things like that okay apparently gwen and rock talk forgot to install a stepladder on the wing for them to get all get in and i just i like how rock unabashedly volunteers themselves as a ladder for them to be able to get into their escape craft. Mm-hmm. A few seconds later, we see how they literally play out the hold on to your butts because they don't even have a launching system or an engine to take off. They just let the, they open up the, the, the bay doors and just let yeah. themselves be blown out into space. I mean, yeah, and there apparently wasn't, there was, that place wasn't very pressurized because it didn't really blow them out or. Correction, sir, that's blown out. Yeah, there wasn't very much air in there for them. It barely got them out the door. <laughs> they yeah, almost got You would out. think that they could have just pressurized that bay, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it would have made it a little easier. Yeah. Why do you think they bothered to number this this ship? Why do you think they bothered to put a landing strut on it? Well, <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, it does have to stand up level, but yeah. It could have just been a box. <laughs> Yeah. The other thing I noticed was it has computer consoles. How do we know that this 
you know, escapecraft isn't infected with a version of the virus. Yeah, it's a really good point. I guess we don't know that. Maybe the panels are just there to look good. They're just set dressing. They're they're just lighting, so yeah. they have something to. Because I mean, what are they controlling with it? They basically have nothing on that ship, right? They don't have like propulsion or navigation or anything. Everything was supposed to be rudimentary, so like basic navigation. Except for the computer interface, because Elcars is not rudimentary. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty advanced computer system. I mean, I guess it could be an overlay to a to a much simpler system. Yeah, like running Windows XP and opening a uh, DOS prompt in it. Sure. Everybody's in the pod, and they're all holding hands, and they're comforting each other. Rocktop wipes their nose, and they go back to holding Murph's hand. And I think uh, Murph grew in, in size, three sizes that day. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we're drifting away, and Janeway adopts uh, Dalarel's command style with the, the final her final go fast. Yeah. And after she does... And they have like the whole, you know, special effects, boom, boom, boom. And then there's like a purple wash across the whole screen. Mm -hmm. I hear a bell toll in the background and I'm thinking, and it's like near Christmas time. So I'm thinking of like, is this, is this Janeway, hologram Janeway getting her wings? Ooh, <laughs> that's a good point. Was that the idea perhaps? Oh, okay. That's really, that makes it really special. Because remember at the end of last episode, they played like some Christmas bells for some reason. I went back and I tried to listen for that and I couldn't hear it. I wonder if maybe they're getting At the you... very end? I, I didn't he hear it last time I saw it. You should try again. I, I, I'll try again, but I was just speculating. Maybe I get the flyby and you get the bells. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So as soon as the protostar disappears, the all the rest of the ships just chill out, right? Yeah, they they go back to being blue instead of red highlights, uh, and for some reason everything just kind of yeah. Yeah, everybody everything just returns to normal. So like the living construct had to be active consistently and connected to them for the. So it's not really a virus. It's like a control structure or something. Oh, okay. Or the virus allows the living construct to control. Uh-huh. Like, the ships... So, basically, like, the ships weren't tearing each other apart. The living construct was controlling them to tear them apart. Yeah. That answers why, whenever they showed the living construct after the battle started, it would show specific ships, and that was either the ships it was controlling or the mm -hmm. ships it was attacking. I can't remember right. which. So, yeah, I mean, that brings back the question... Why didn't they just destroy their transmitter? This is the thing about the living construct. It's, as mentioned last episode, it's not connected to anything on the ship. Right, Like, yeah. how is it tied into the ship? And if it's not physically tied into the ship, then it must be using wireless communication of some sort. And if it's yeah. using wireless communication of some sort, then yes, why should why didn't they just shut down their transceiver so they couldn't piggyback the signal? And mm -hmm. then also, if there's another ship that's close enough, shouldn't it just be able to reach out wirelessly? Oh. It could sit there and record the... Protostar's transponder code so that it would know like when it does an IFF handshake with another ship to say oh I'm the Protostar and then it could get you know inject its SQL sequences that way mm -hmm. interesting <laughs> or something not to, <laughs> not to take apart the episode too far on this kids show yeah so Janeway wants to send a search party and then suddenly for the first time in this series Commander Tysis has grown a backbone so he can stand up to the admiral, mm -hmm. but he can't speak for himself in front of the ensign, and he can't speak for himself with Admiral Jellico. But he can stand up to Fleet Admiral J or Vice Admiral Janeway. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay, yeah, it, it is. I mean, although it is partially his job to be the counterpoint and and give perspectives to the CO of what they might not be seeing or missing. Sure. Where Essentia you know, talks to the, to Admiral Jellico and stuff. What she said just kind of made sense. And I guess Tysus just kind of went along with it. And I think Jellico just went right into, yeah, do that. And there was never any, any chance for Tysus to kind of speak up and say, um, excuse me, Ensign. <laughs> 
Would you want to stay in Ensign much longer? So we get back to the uh, the kids in the uh, escape craft. We do. Is it a shuttle? I mean, if it doesn't have any means of propulsion... I think that you were correct. I think it is an escape craft. Just an escape craft. Okay. Yeah, I mean, into which they can plug their Janeway hologram hologram. Or rather, hologram Janeway hologram. When I first saw this mini hollow, hollow Janeway, I was wondering maybe she did do what I thought she should do is just kind of, she shrunk down her image so that, you know, that took up less space so that she could save more of her memory. Oh, I mean, I, mean, I imagine she's, she's probably rendered through vector graphics. Okay. You know, like probably no matter what size she's generated, it's going to be the same, the same graphic file. Cause it's just a, a oh. set of like, it's not coordinates. It's mm. based on vectors. Okay. So hologram Janeway hologram comes comes back to let us know that she's a big fat lying lighthead. Meany mean mean pants. And was too big to fit on the isolinear chip. Yes. Uh, it brings all of us and Dal to the realization that she has stayed on the ship. Well, not all of us. We already knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's just so sad, sad, sad. Yeah. It... Not as sad as I was at the end of last episode. <laughs> Oh. Because, I mean, even if we lose Hologram Janeway or Holloway, you know, we still have Vice Admiral Janeway. Yeah. It's not like we're losing Kate Mulgrew from the show. You no. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not like they couldn't make a new Hologram Janeway if they really wanted to. Well, and near the end of her message, Hollow Janeway reiterates the message that they've been going through for at least the last half of the season as working together you know, we'll find our way, you know, and, and sort of talking to us as well, saying we'll find our way if we work together, we can get to the future and have a Star Trek. This is true. And then finally, Hollow Janeway doesn't split infinitives at the end. Yes. And so here's the thing about this moment is that <laughs> she, so this is for a younger audience, right? So mm -hmm. now we're starting off the younger audience with go boldly instead of us having done it backwards mm -hmm. and like so now the idea is like 20 years from now they're going to be looking at us like why would you ever accept it the other way what were you guys thinking like, what? <laughs> so boldly go what were you doing like why was that ever okay with you guys and we're going to feel like really stupid like yeah you're right i don't know we just we went with it it was that's what they said so that's what we did and like yeah that's dumb <laughs> yeah i i hear i see what you're saying there yeah, so since Earl said I see what you're saying there, I think it's time for us to go ahead and take a short break. Yes, why don't we do that? We'll be right back. Yeah, we will. Hi guys, I'm Isaac. And I'm Andrew. And together we make up Unplanned Trek. Each week we watch a random episode of Star Trek. And we completely deconstruct it. We have medals that we give out. We give out awards. We have segments. We have votes. We get very unplanned, thanks to my good friend Andrew. That's what I'm here for. So look us up where you search for podcasts. Search for Unplanned Trek. Good. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, you. Thank you. Welcome to San Francisco. One month later. Vulcans always explain to us all the tough scientific stuff that needs graphics. <laughs> you always have to have a Vulcan who's standing in front and, and being authoritative because who's going to believe any of this coming from a Tellerite? <laughs> Is a Tellerite going to be able to give it to you without arguing the point? Or an Andorian. Like, do you do you really want your... If you're going to have someone snivel at you about science, you want it to be a Vulcan, not an Andorian. <laughs> Definitely. They gave Janeway a chance to stand up for the kids mm -hmm. and go ahead and try to, you know, lay the smack down on anybody who wants to uh, come for her kids, <laughs> which is cool. And then we get to the, the Chakotay message. Yes. There's so many questions I have about this episode as far as, like, where we go next. And I don't want to mm -hmm. go too far into it, but one important part here is that I feel like we're indicating that there might be a little more Robert Beltran. Mm -hmm. presence over the course of the next season and I wonder if that's what to connect it to some stuff later I think that maybe that's what the Gwyn story is going to be Oh, because okay. I can't imagine Gwyn just being off the show entirely 
Oh yeah, no, definitely not. One of the things that indicated that was indicated to me by hearing uh, the Mayday from Chicote, since I hadn't read any news recently about the show, mm-hmm. this pinpointed for me that yes, we did get picked up for season two, and season two will probably be mostly about rescuing Chicote. Yeah, I believe that I heard that or read that we had been greenlit for season two and season three. Oh my, okay. I hadn't anticipated uh, getting greenlit for two seasons already, but that's cool. What's interesting is that when the Vulcan does his explanation, he explains that Janeway intentionally, it sounds like he's explaining that Janeway intentionally created this wormhole. Uh, Hollow Janeway, yes. So she did, is what you're saying? Yes, she did. Was that what she was supposed to be doing? It might have just worked out that she was able to do that as a part of what was going on. What was her purpose in doing so? Well, if she can rescue... She can't do anything. She's about to explode into nothing. Yeah, if if she can help other people be able to rescue Chakotay or give Chakotay a path home... Ah, she was creating a path for them. Yes. Hmm. Do you think Gwen's going to go there? Possibly. Hmm. So does that make her a Pathfinder? It does. Mm. Holloway herself became Project Pathfinder. (laughs) She probably holds some guilt over being sent ahead without it. She was there and witnessed Chakotay getting left behind. She had to be a part of that. I can imagine that she would probably have some motivation to go help him. Oh, Holloway, yes. Perhaps I. it would have been nice if they had at some point unlocked her memories a little better. Like, Janeway yeah. unlocked her memories, but we didn't really get to explore what her memories were. We saw basically a snippet. But if Janeway yeah. unlocked her memories, there might be more in there that would have been interesting to see on the show. But there might be a reason why, of course, we're, we're getting rid of her mm-hmm. to, you know, hide those specifics. Oh, right. So that we don't get spoilers too far in, in advance. Right, that that would, that's a clever reason to get rid of Holloway, I think. Because <laughs> she knows too much, she's got to go. Now you know, and now you must die. Okay. The interesting thing that I thought was when the Vulcan is, is talking about the message from the future, they call it an alternate future. He does. Mm-hmm. I wonder how they know that it's an alternate future and what they would, how they would know what would be happening from their present on if Chakotay's in an alternate future. So you're wondering why they would know that it's an alternate future as opposed to our own future? Yes. Part of it may have been if they did some of the testing of the spin of the, what was it? There's like the spin of the quantum particles. Uh Uh-huh. Then that would indicate that it's from a different future. Oh, okay. Remember the the thing about... They mentioned it during Discovery. It's something about, like, the way the particles spin are particular to a a universe. Okay. If this Vulcan can get through the whole diatribe that he went on, the the hologram advisor's last act was to duplicate the parameters flagged by the original wormhole Captain Chakotay was lost in, thus creating an interspatial flicture, whether Chakotay is in an alternate future. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that he probably did the science to find out that it was an alternate future. Oh, okay. So clockwise or left-handed spin versus right-handed and counterclockwise. And I guess, you know, maybe maybe he's being optimistic, you know, like... Yeah, that's true. If we assume that Chakotay is going to be rescued, then he'll be here in the future, which means that that mm-hmm. must be an alternate future. Okay. <laughs> maybe he's just a very optimistic Vulcan. So maybe they're also... He's also kind of hoping that... Chakotay won't be stranded in the future for 52 years, but maybe they can rescue him at some point prior to that 52 years. Thank you for rephrasing. Okay. Somebody comes crashing in. And then the children have returned. Yes. Janeway's told. So we go to find them, and they are floating in their escape pod, whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that that's probably, I'm imagining that's probably the design for the next season. Whenever we see shuttles, it's probably the new shuttle's design. Okay. And this was just like a bare bones shuttle, you know, no RAM, no processor. Yeah. There is some sort of propulsion or thrusters on this vessel because it's floating above the water. 
Mm-hmm. But there's also a whole bunch of debris in the water that looks like a crash shuttle around it. Yeah, I had no idea what this debris was unless it's... This must be the place where people crash home. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess this is just the standard, hey, if you're going to crash on our planet, crash here. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a uh, minor little homage to uh, Star Trek Four going on here. They're right in the almost exact same spot where sure. the Bird of Prey crashed. Ah, uh, uh, that's in, clever. In Star Trek, the one with the whales. Yes, it's clever. I'm going to have to go back and check that out because yeah. I hope that's what it is. It, well, and I almost tried to think, okay, is, is the debris floating there still the Bird of Prey from like 100 <laughs> years ago? Yeah. I noticed the registry number on one of the shuttles that was out out to go and gather them up. Had you? Yes. Apparently, the shuttle is from apparently the Voyager A. Mm. NCC seven four six five six A is what the oh, registry number was. Good catch. I wonder if we'll see that ship next episode. I mean, next. Well, yes, next episode, perhaps. Yeah, next episode. Mm. <laughs> so this is not this is not a trial. I was given to yeah. understand this is actually. Like a review board to join the Academy. It seemed to me a little bit of both. At the end of the whole thing, I mean, they said they, they dropped all the charges. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so this is one of the, this might be another one of those things about, like, we don't really understand how legal systems and stuff like that works in the 24th century. Like, maybe you can go to court and also be accepted to college <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> maybe that's how that all works in the future. <laughs> they might have been just combining the the actions because the first thing they open up with is sort of like at the end of star trek 4 where they're reviewing all the quote crimes that they were guilty of yes you know impersonating starfleet officers and stealing a starship although they kind of stole it back from the person that originally stole it that's always been a sticky point for me because i i don't feel like they ever really stole it i feel like they reallocate re 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 i feel like they got it back yeah, Re- like reappropriated it. Reappropriated. That's that's. Yeah. I think that's the word you're looking for. I don't know. Perhaps. <laughs> because it, yeah, agreed. It wasn't in the place where it should have been, where it, you know it was expected to be. I mean, they definitely didn't get it from Earth or or Shanghai. The crew. Really, they salvaged it. They sa- yeah. Because they okay. found it on a planet. I mean, somebody else was looking for it, but nobody had really claimed yeah. ownership of it. The ownership of it was clear because it was Starfleet, but how yeah. are you going to get back to Starfleet without using it to get it back to Starfleet anyway? Yeah. I don't, I've never really considered that theft a real theft. It was more like, you know, finders keepers, and they didn't even want to keep it. We've kind of established in Lower Decks that salvage rights and salvage rules that, you know, they kind of carried over from our century where. You know, if I'm the one who finds a thing at, at the bottom of the ocean or mm-hmm. afloat in the sea, I have the right to it and I get it until or unless somebody can prove ownership. Sure. I guess you would prove ownership by saying, well, it's. I mean, look got at our it. Registering <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Take a look at that thing and tell me if you think it's certainly. <laughs> I don't know. The, the arrowhead kind of saucer section, that's uh, not yeah. a. Tra- <laughs> I know, Voyager. During this whole, you know, courtroom scene, not courtroom mm-hmm. scene, Janeway takes the the Holloway role for a moment and does a little little bit of on screen exposition for us, you know, explaining the whole the whole ship mm-hmm. to everyone, like how it works, the protostar drive and all that. Yeah. Uh, and also demands that they address Dalarel appropriately and name drops him in the yeah. middle of the trial. Yeah. But also like at the same time, like covers him with shade about the whole yeah. you know, like he's clearly not perfect like no thanks Jamie that's that's real helpful I kind of see what she was doing there where, where like supposedly Khan was perfect and partly what drove him to his insanity of his mega maniacalness was you know the fact that he was so perfect sure although I mean being a kid show and sometimes these shows like to do little wink and a nod to the adults in, in the mm-hmm. room yeah. I was wondering if it was a d- joke. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Janeway <laughs> does take the time to let us know that there are about 150 member species yep. of the Federation at this point. Um, Dalit has 26 of them in his genetics, yes. and which is you know makes him a living embodiment of what our alliance represents. Jankampog has his own kind of outburst there, which is 
totally out of order, and I would I, it seemed even kind of maybe not out of character for Jankumpod, but Jankumpod does kind of understand when there is a time for act, you know, to, to say things, and when there's a time for not. And I, it did seem kind of a little out of character for me when he had his little outburst. Time frag. Time frag. That's what you said. <laughs> Yeah, um, it was, I mean, comic is, comic, comic relief is comic relief. Okay. And, uh, that's the end of Act 3. It's the end of Act 2. Act 2? Yeah. Yes. You were very close. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome, weirdos. I'm Taryn Marlar, the host of Weird Darkness, where I bring you true stories of the paranormal, supernatural, legends, lore, crime, conspiracy, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. Named one of the 20 best storytellers in podcasting by Podcast Business Journal and ranked one of the best true crime and paranormal podcasts by Podcast Magazine. Bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the weird darkness found everywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the final act of the first season of Star Trek Prodigy. Season one. Act three of Supernova Part Two. And we're, we're coming in on the home stretch of the end of a 20 episode season. It's been a long road. No. Oh, we are uh, we are meeting up in the corridor mm-hmm. to find pretty much, you know, what I expected was that all the charges would be dropped. I didn't think there would be mm-hmm. any charges, really, but you know, yeah, there's that. Uh, the The math that we've come to is that five of us can go, which means one cannot. And after we beat around for uh, the bush for a while, the determination, you know, because you got to do the fake feint of like, oh, Dal can't come. No, Dal's Dal's clearly going to come with us because Dal's the captain. Yeah. Like, what is happening? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, someone who's not going to be able to go, and uh, I'm realizing, oh, Gwen has stuff to do though. Yeah. Like, well, she's, I we I thought that we were all going to go do Gwen stuff. Oh, together. Yeah, but Gwen actually, so Gwen heads itself at the past when we're ready to like start trying to be sorry for her not being able to go and, mm. you know, kind of takes ownership of it and explains, well, no, I got to go do this solemn stuff and mm-hmm. y'all can't go to solemn because there's no first contact yet. So like, that's not going to work. So I got to go by myself and do it. And that makes total sense to me. Well, it occurred to me that at some point, I mean, there was probably a time skip here and at some point during all of this, they might've had opportunities individually to be uh, questioned or interviewed and Gwen might have said at some point to the tribunal or to Janeway, hey, look, you know, I do have this thing I need to do. You don't have to include me with the plans of going to Starfleet Academy. They may have reminded her of it, too. I mean, it seemed to me like she was behaving like she expected this. I also wonder if she had a little more impetus to head towards fixing the problem based upon her absorption of the remainder of the diviner okay like maybe part little piece of his katra blended into a piece of her katra and now they can communicate Uh. across hundreds of light years Ooh, okay. Oh, wouldn't that be neat if suddenly he can, she can communicate with him when he's over there at Solemn, and she, she just like reaches out and he's like, "Who is, who is this? How'd you get my number?" <laughs> oh, his future self that hasn't had her yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to believe me. I'm your daughter from the ultimate. My future. daughter. Get out of my head. This is a, this is a great movie on Solemn. <laughs> it's like they're Back to the Future. Oh. It's me, your daughter. <laughs> My daughter, but I'm just in high school. Oh, dang. <laughs> Whoops. Well, it was 52 years ago, so yeah, I guess he could have only been in high school. What's great about everyone getting in is that Dal getting into the academy fixes for me the problem that I had that we were discussing last week about how it yeah. seemed like the Federation was blaming the person instead of the actor. Yeah. Like, it, like it's not, it's not, you know, Khan's fault for, well, it's, it's Khan's fault for being Khan. Maybe that wasn't a good example. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Julian's fault for being an augment. It's yeah. kind of like more his parents and the person who yeah. did its fault for messing with his genetics. Like his parents yeah. should go to, should go to, did they, I think they did go to, did they go to jail at the end of that? At least the dad did. Yeah. yeah. They, they sent him to a 
prison colony. What that sounds correct. Because he he broke a law for sure. Yeah. So it does it, it does fix that problem, and now Starfleet is making it clear they're not blaming Dell, mm-hmm. and Dell is being considered you know his own person who doesn't have any responsibility for the actions that were taken to create him. Right. I mean, he he yeah he certainly couldn't. Yeah. And at the same time, Gwen's off to fulfill her new destiny, and I wonder so many things about her new destiny. <laughs> First of all, like, does she leave? I think she leaves in. Uh, well, before this, we're we're a little bit before she leaves. There's a couple of things I want to mention before she leaves. So yeah. let's. I guess we can get that to that in a second, okay. um, because we have first we have the montage to go through, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they had, I'm so excited, playing in the background, and you see everybody, like, doing their work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Brock learning how to be a scientist. There's a woman that is an advisor, apparently some sort of science advisor. Uh-huh. You know, the one that approaches Rock Talk and is like, hey, you're really good with Murph. Why don't you be, uh, maybe, what was it, a xenobiologist? Yeah, a xenobiologist. Did she, she's, I've seen her before. You have? Yeah, on like play this sexy online video game. Like, why? Ooh. Like, this is she's really she's she's not like the typical lower decks like template of a person. Like, she's she's kind of like she's very pretty, and I okay. don't know why that is. Like, she didn't seem hmm. strikingly pretty to you. Apparently not. Yeah, like she really <laughs> nope. stood out. But she, like, yeah, she I mean, me I was trying to figure out if I who she was. Yeah, if I she seems familiar. Somehow. Like, did she catch your eye? Like, did she make you like notice her? Maybe a little bit. Like, as if they were trying to highlight this person for some reason. Like, I was thinking, is this supposed to be like, I don't know, like Beverly's daughter or something? Like, what's <laughs> like it seemed like there was a like, particular focus on her for some reason. And then I noticed, like, on my third watch, that like. She was just so pretty, and I was like, "Does she look like somebody I know?" And then it made me think, "Oh yeah, those ads, those like little click and play this sexy game ads." <laughs> like, well, I think she's from there. If I'm picturing it right, she seemed to look a little bit like when Kess had long hair. Okay, Kess had curly hair when it was long, wasn't it? It was a little, yeah, wavy, curly. It but, wasn't a tight curl, but yeah, uh, yeah. We we cut to Jankum Pog, and apparently he's had. Mjolnir hidden away. Mjolnir. 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 Yes. Mjolnir hidden away. That was a great Marvel comics. This is not Disney. Move on. (laughs) There is the real mythology of Thor, too. Okay. (laughs) Zero's new exosuit is white. Does that mean that they've actually chosen medicine? No, they've chosen Stormtrooper. They're going to be a Stormtrooper. Wrong show. Although that would kind of go along with your hypothesis. Oh, right? was... <laughs> I was like, that's like, this is another little piece of the storyboard that they didn't have to change because at the end, so here's, so the story of Zero was actually that it was just some guy who was trying to be a stormtrooper and he had this like cobbled together costume. And then at the end, finally, he gets his own stormtrooper costume. Right? Because that's one of the story threads that was in this episode. Oh, okay. Huh. Just like, just like Rock Talk was a, was a Wookiee. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I do think Zero looks incredible. Briefly, he looks incredible. I I think after a while, I start thinking about it, and I'm like, that's going to be, that's going to be really, it's going to be like, just like this super bright thing. It's going to be like having a white car. My stepdad has a white car, and mm-hmm. you go for a drive, and it, for any length of time, and you don't just see the bugs on the windshield, you see the bugs, like, Oh, uh, Zero's going to be hard to keep Zero clean. Yes. Mm, okay. There's a thing that happens in this episode that was really mm-hmm. exciting, and that was the return of Tuvix's uniform. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, they've given it to Gwyn, apparently. Okay. Like, that's a very Tuvix-y sort of design. That she, it's a very Starfleet design, but it's also very, like, a, yeah. a Tuvix-y design. Like, I feel like this is some sort of little piece of redemption for Tuvix. Okay. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that now. Uh, but it's a great uniform. I think it's. It, I think it, it looks is. amazing. Yeah. I I thought it reminded me of like a diplomat's outfit or uniform. Uh, it seemed to me like they would cert- could certainly make her a, you know, since she's the first representative of their her people that has come to Starfleet, she certainly could be a diplomat between the Federation and uh, the Valnakat. 
or solemn or solemn itself itself yeah. yes the the kissy face here that's mm -hmm. going on i think that that redeems gwyn for acting so funky about it last episode okay <laughs> when he was like yeah i thought we were about to because last episode i was like why is gwyn acting like why is gwyn reacting like what the hell yeah <laughs> because it should have been like yes 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 but <laughs> this other thing is what i gotta <laughs> tell you about is what i expected <laughs> her to say uh-huh and the promise of seeing each other again is not really answered <laughs> Mm -hmm. She's like, we got this far, didn't we? I'm not really, I don't really know if that's, I don't know if I take that as an answer mm. of will we see each other again. But I think the okay. answer is yes, because I don't think that she's leaving the television show. Yeah. But I do wonder how she's going. Because when we saw her leave, she leaves mm -hmm. in a, like a runabout or a shuttle or something like that. Yeah, a small craft. It's a, yeah, it's a small Starfleet craft. And is she going by herself? It seemed to me that she was just taking that up to her up to the space station to go meet with whatever larger ship is docked at Starbase One. Yeah, they can't take a Starfleet ship. Yeah. I, I assumed that you meant like they were taking they would be taking like some other unaligned ship or a ship that's been constructed to be nondescript. I mean they, they did mention that they were giving her the means to get back home or something. Although a small craft with just her and maybe a pilot or however long it takes to get all the way out there might be a little bit uh, much, so maybe they would want to have a larger civilian ship. If you have the right ship, it doesn't matter what ship you take, as long as you take, yeah. you know, one that has a good solid hollow emitter and some sensor, you know, fooler devices. <laughs> yeah. But I am curious to know what her journey is going to be and, you know, who's going to be involved in it. Just like I'm not clear on it's intentional, you know, towards the end that we're not clear on yeah. what the Protostars mission is going to be, but we know we sort of know what Gwen is doing. Like she, yeah. she has a goal in mind, and yeah. I feel like we're going to see her moving toward that goal. Her taking off at the end of here could certainly just be a fake out for us as the viewer. So the this hangar opens to the yep. Voyager fanfare. <laughs> oh, was it the Voyager fanfare? Yeah, it was exactly the Voyager that. fanfare. Okay. Uh, to, to show us the new protostar. Yes. Because so, now we've made a class from the prototype. We don't get to see the name, so it could be the protostar A. I mean, it could be the prodigy. Ooh. Okay, that would be cool. Yeah. I was almost hoping they were going to get a uh, DeLorean class ship. Man, you were just hot tonight, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're going to have to do some timey-wimey stuff to... Yeah. This from the man in the bow tie. You're trying to get as many franchises in as you can. <laughs> These last few minutes. That wasn't intentional. That's just what? how I say things now. Okay. Timey-wimey. Yeah. I use that phrase on the regular. Okay. This episode in itself was like a two-part episode. Yeah. Right? Like, you basically, we finished up the super, like, the whole supernova arc ends halfway through mm -hmm. this episode. Like, we could yeah. have really take, tacked half of this episode onto the one before it, and then had this one as, like, a pro, I'm trying to say prologue. What's the, like an epilogue? Epilogue, yeah. The second half of this episode is, like, an epilogue to the first season, or a prologue to the second season, because it does kind of mm -hmm. set us up for, like, here's some things that you're going to see, and here's kind of what's going to go on. To mm -hmm. a certain extent, to a very small extent, in the next season. Yeah. So while I'm going to give this episode a 9.9, .9, I don't know what the average is across the entire... <laughs> like, I think this episode was great because it set up this, the next season and let us know, oh, there is okay, there is somewhere for them to go you yeah. know, across the next season. Uh, I mean, we're definitely going to go and pick up Chakotay, rescue him from the future... We're going to have to figure out how to get there without breaking too much of the Temporal Prime Directive and uh, the, breaking the actual Prime Directive. Yeah, I, I thought that the episode certainly could have been broken into an, another, at least one more episode or an epilogue kind of thing. They wrapped up the, you know, the second half of part one a little bit too quickly. I wasn't a big fan fan of how quickly they got that done and oh some, yeah some the exposition of that solution was very quick wasn't it yeah and and some of the commercial cuts were were in, in bad spots i thought that some of the cuts i would probably just rate this maybe 9.2 okay 
so that's 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 where we stand that's where we stand i think overall the the series season one was a, a good season it's a good opening season it doesn't certainly doesn't have some of the same problems that other shows have had previously trek seems to have well i guess season one of the original series was the longest season and probably the most remembered season it was the, probably the least planned out season like the first season of star trek and next generation has you know an episode that highlights each of the characters and yeah. then deep space nine follows suit and voyager follows suit and yeah. then we move from you know those stories to like slightly larger stories to then big stories and uh-huh. then sort of come back and then end up focusing on the characters like that's the arc of the the whole series <laughs> and this is sort of what we're doing here on Prodigy. Mm-hmm. We're sort of setting up. The, but now we've we've stretched it out even further because we haven't really had focus on just this character, just single character episodes. We've uh-huh. had let's build the team episode. So this we're building. Mm-hmm. We're we've brought everybody in. We have our ship and we have our basic premise now started because we couldn't just have a ship full of kids with no explanation. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is like this this could have this entire season to some extent I feel could have been done in flashbacks. <laughs> okay. But I do appreciate that they fleshed the whole thing out for us. Yeah. I I appreciated this season like I said it with, with as far I don't think that this series is going to take us two or three seasons to get its footing. I think they've established oh. their footing as far as the their writing. Their their writing yeah, yeah they, I do they, think that there's something that we're missing though. I think there's a like like a big story that we aren't we aren't to it yet because we don't have all the pieces in place. I feel like that's going to be around season three. Oh, okay, cool. So overall, I think I would would give the the season mm-hmm. probably a nine point five. I was yeah, so I was going to go to actually ten. <laughs> which okay. I can't do. It's illegal. No, we've already made that illegal. So I would go nine point nine 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 out salamander <laughs> for this season. You go salamander for this season. Yeah, nine nine okay. nine nine salamander. Okay, cool. <laughs> I have no idea what the next episode of Let's Talk About Trucks is going to be. Could be Discovery. Could be Picard. Oh, okay. It'll be in a week from now. Yes. I just don't think we're we're clear yet on which what direction we're going to go. But I do know that, as far as I can figure out, the next series to have a new episode is going to be Picard Season 3. Yes. Well, next Thursday they're going to release the secretly produced Section 31 show, and we're going to have uh, six episodes, or eight episodes of that suddenly thrust upon us for the next eight weeks, and then we'll have Picard happen, is my pipe dream. I see. By which I mean crack pipe dream. Like every time I get the crack pipe, I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, Section 31 is going to be secretly snuck out on us. Not to belittle your drug addiction problems. Yeah, because, I mean, it's a secret agency. It would be... Yeah, like, wouldn't it be great if they just, like, popped out Section 31 without any of us knowing <laughs> that they were making it? <laughs> that would be kind of awesome, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, 100% awesome. Like, if they could sneak any Star Trek project out, that would be amazing. Like, drop an album like Beyonce. Drop a Star Trek episode. Uh, like, yeah, drop, like, a Star Trek anything in the middle yeah. of the night. Yeah. At, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, we all wake up and we're like, oh, my God. Well... You were saying that you, off the record or earlier. Are we on the record right now? Well, I mean, we're recording. I guess. It, oh, that's. Rec- oh, okay. Yes. Off the record. Off the record. <laughs> For the record. There's a show on the CBC called. Um, wait, is there. It's on CBC called For the Record? I feel like there is. Anyway. Oh, okay. Let me distract. You, you, were, you were suggesting that there w- weren't going to be any more short tracks. Yeah, I haven't seen any indication there's going to be any more short tracks. I, I thought it was kind of weird that they only had one, quote, season of that, but... Uh... There were two seasons of it, but not enough. Oh, yeah, there were. You're right, there were. You know what is interesting? Pretty much all of Star Trek. <laughs> Apparently, the DVD releases are going to call episode one through ten of this, season one. And I don't know what they're going to call episode eleven through twenty. Uh, maybe 1.5? Yeah, it seems like this could have been, I mean, considering the current release of Star Trek, that this could have been a season one and a season two. 
All right. Well, that's our show, everybody. That is it. Thank you very much for joining us. Until next time, stay positive, dream big, and you'll hear from us again soon. Go board the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay. Go boldly. Go boldly. Okay, bye now. Thank you. Sorry I sucked. It's okay that you sucked. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's genetic. Uh.